Welcome to part two of this out-of-line discussion with Janae Clyborne. All right, so so tell me a little bit about your social media timeline and, and how did you get started with For social, social media? media? Yeah. Okay, well, when Instagram came out, I started using it, but that was when I was doing my private chefing. And so, and I called it Sweet Potato Soul, obviously, because it was going to be for my blog, but I, I had no strategy. I didn't have, I didn't think of like creating any sort of social media strategy probably until like last year. Wow. 2017. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm the strategizing type. Yeah. But (laughs) so I was just posting randomly. I had a Facebook page also, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, um, Instagram as well. Uh huh. I just like using those things for my own personal use. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't have a strategy, but now I do. And I realized that I needed to have a strategy because we started working, you know, doing Sweet Potato Soul full time in 20. I started um, doing it full time in 2016. And I obviously I I realized that the more followers I have on different platforms, especially Instagram, the more money I can charge for posts. I didn't do a sponsored Instagram post until like second half of last year. So since I've lived here in in L.A., Um, But YouTube, I mean, I've had my YouTube channel for a while and I started really being strategic about YouTube, being consistent with that in 2016. I don't know if you consider that social media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I try to keep my social media platforms. mm, I try to keep them. Let's see, like I try to be. So basically, I try to put out stuff that I can like. I can stay consistent with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So right now I do a photo of food and a photo of me and then food, me, food, me. And that's like my little, my grid, how I want it to look. But that was super doable for me as opposed to only doing food every single day. And then I'm like going to the old photos and maybe they don't match out, match up with my current photography and fo- same with if I was just going to do photos of myself, like I don't have enough photos of myself. So that alterate, uh, alternating really helps me stay on top of it with YouTube. Now I post on Fridays because that's just the best day, the easiest day for us to post. So I realized that as long as I'm consistent with whatever I'm doing, then, you know, that's as much strategy I feel like as I, that I need. Mm, I think that's a, that's a good one. That's a big <laughs> one. I think consistency is so huge for yeah, social media so and, huge. and it's really difficult to, to really get your your following to connect with what you're trying to do if they're I mean they're they have people putting things mm-hmm. into their brain right. all day every day like every time they open any right. app any any social media platform they're getting fed so much content yep. and so the consistency of oh this is what I can rely on from Janae mm-hmm. when every time she posts it's going to either be her and she's like so pretty mm-hmm. and I love what she says or like a recipe or yeah. food and and knowing why they're following you yep. is a really that's that's a big one yeah I love that. absolutely um when was it when was the time that you're following that you really started to see it grow a lot and what was something that you did did you do yeah. anything that you found oh. really like 
affected the following um, yeah. and growing a lot. Okay, for YouTube in 2016, when I when I started getting actually sponsorships so I could do it full time, uh, I was also doing I was also trying to do more collab posts. So I would make a video. Say I'd collab with say Lauren Toyota. So she would do a video and then I would do a video. We'd have a common theme and we'd say, Janae and and I, or, you know, Lauren and I, we're both making, I don't even remember when we did a collab, what we did, but we're both making brownies or something. She's making my brownie recipe. I'm making hers. Make sure after you watch this video, you go watch her video. And that's super helpful with growing YouTube, right? And collaborations also for Instagram. When I first saw like a big uptick in Instagram, that was like around this summer. So two things happened. This summer, moving here, collaborating with people who have similar or larger, similar size or larger audiences to me helped my numbers go up. That's another reason being in LA is so helpful for a career if this is your career. Because in New York, there aren't that many vegan blogger instagram or these personality people there just are not there's i know two who are like you know doing it full time only two here like i know so many people so collaborating with people on instagram and just being in each other's photos and such is great and then another thing over the summer that helped i think helped my numbers go up was the road trip mm. and having so much content like just like effortless content every single day because we were doing stories because I mean it's fun and also new new photos the different foods we were trying we got a new camera right before we left for the road trip like a better camera so I think that just visually helped our social media you know looked a lot better and so we got a lot more followers and then of course like now my book just came out so of course you always I think should if you're I think it's important for to strive to put something out like kind of in the real world too, something tangible, mm. because then that gives you so much more legitimacy. Like I've been cooking for people since as a career since 2012, but I just put out this book this year. And then all of a sudden I have all these like bigger opportunities and like people are finding me from all these other different platforms now. So, oh, I think it's super very important to diversify just like your platform so just don't don't just have youtube don't just have instagram and also don't just rely on those like social media platforms always have a blog mm. and a newsletter because when instagram goes away and youtube goes away you'll still have your blog and your newsletter to capture people's attention from yeah those, that's those two things are in my opinion the most important for sure. It's so hard to to stay on top of everything, but it is like you're saying it is so important as well to to have something that you're offering that is not just social media. Yes. Because I think that like you said, we don't we could wake up tomorrow morning and literally Instagram is gone. Yes. And we don't own it. No. Nope. We don't own our followers. Nope. We don't own our, our con I mean like our content kind of we do if we made it, but not really. Not like, really. Not really. I think we probably hit agree when we got the yes. app that says that we don't. Exactly. Which is Too terrifying. I know. It's horrifying. And they make money off of the content, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. We don't get do. that money, especially mm -hmm. from like Instagram and such, unless you are getting sp separate sponsored deals. Yep. Not yep. a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love, I love what you're saying about 
make sure you have something out there that you that is tangible, yes. but also that you own, yes. um, like a blog or or even a mailing list mm-hmm. that you can be emailing people and you have you have their mm-hmm. their their information how to reach them yes. if something happens yes. to your platforms. Yes, Girl, it's so important. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> um, your cookbook is stunning Thank it's so you. amazing i'm sure you spent so many years on it yeah um what was the mm-hmm. process like in reality from you know did you did you work with a publisher mm-hmm. um so what was the process like between start to finish in, well in that so I, I have a literary agent mm-hmm. and so when i decided that i read, wanted to write a cookbook one of my friends hooked me up with her literary agent and so i started working with him to develop the proposal because mm-hmm. i had an idea of what i wanted to do but it wasn't written down on paper and you know in the proposal you have to give recipe ideas and like the marketing it has to be really fleshed out to sell the book to the publisher so once that was finished he started shopping that around to publishers and I, he got me a great publishing or a good book deal. And at that point they give you the advance, you know, and you start writing the book. They give you a deadline for your manuscript. That was, so I had like six months from the time I got my book deal to the time my manuscript was due. But for me, I was lucky. I wasn't going to do my own photography. They gave me extra time to finish the photography because we were going to shoot it in New York and the manuscript was due in January. So we didn't have access to the great produce because, you know, it's a soul food, Southern cookbook. So you need Southern ingredients in January, New York, you don't have it. So we didn't shoot it until March, the photos. So by that time, I was already like in edits with my publisher and my editor. Um, We did the photos. And then after the photos, more edits, more edits, more edits. And then, yeah, they just at some point, like you've done all you can do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like it's like six months before the release date. I've done everything I could do as far as like editing the book and, you know, doing like making the book. And that point at that point, it's just like you start doing your marketing stuff. So I have a publicist and a marketing director through the publishing company. And so we started working together and like me sharing, you know, my press contacts and the people who like what TV shows do I really want to be on and this and this and that. Um, And they also start sending um, the the galleys. So like the temporary books out to publishers and editors of different magazines and stuff. So I'm chilling, like just chilling and like letting them do all that stuff and still keeping up with my social media, trying to grow my channel. Once pre-sales start, that's when you start working again because you need to get them pre-sales up because mm-hmm. the pre-sales make such a difference in your first week of sales. So I had like a really, really strong pre-sale, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. So it, oh gosh, that is just like now it's the book has been out for one week and it's so congratulations. Thank you. So exciting. Thanks. Wow. That's so new. But I have, I mean, I'm still publishing the book of, or um, publicizing the book, mm-hmm. you know, and I have like, I've all, I'm doing all these things and I'm like um, traveling, but 
it's so nice to know that my core audience already has the book. You know, I'm not like, did you guys know I have a book? They already know. They already have it. Yeah. They're already cooking from it. So that's really empowering and like inspiring to keep it up and keep. Yeah. And get they're it to all people. posting about it as well. Yes. So their followers yes, are finding out exactly. about it. Exactly. That's major. It's so great. So yeah. good. Oh, congratulations. It's beautiful. Thanks, I can't wait you. to try it. I'm thank so excited. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so in terms of time from start to finish, what was that? that like in in the book process so book deal to the day the book came out yeah was let me think about this so in 2016 it was only it was only a year and a half wow that's yeah, fast that's mm-hmm. so fast yes i've heard some that are like four years uh, me too that's me amazing too. even co- so it, it depends you know some cookbooks this has a hundred recipes in it mm. so and most of them are brand new but some people do like I I mean I have like this book I love it at home in the at home in the Whole Food Kitchen I think it's called by Amy Chaplin and it's like it's like an encyclopedia size I don't know how long it took her to do that but if I was gonna write a book like that that would take me at least three three years double what oh, I did man. because it's all this like real specific she has like a whole section on like just um, not just cause, like for me because it's a soul food cookbook I was able to narrow down really to like the flesh of like soul food cooking her thing is like broad so people there's a lot of these cookbooks that are like very broad and talk about the quinoa the caniwa the bulgur the this and this and that and the book ends up it's massive but yeah it's like you gotta take take it to the beach and read it over a week vacation to get through it yes yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing. So do you have any boundaries when it comes to social media with your presence online? Like any, any things that you're like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to be, you know, I won't go on social media when I'm in bed or these hours of my day or these things in my life. I'm just like, I'm not going to talk about my family. Is there anything that you, that's, that's yours. That is just, there's a line there. Definitely with my family, like my parents, I'll post occasionally with them. My grandmother, she's far more comfortable on camera than my mom and my dad are. My my mom and my dad, they'll like they'll kind of do whatever I ask them to do. But I know they're like, oh, why do you post that? My mom, oh, I don't like how I look. My dad's like, oh, I don't want people to know what I'm doing. And because my dad had this funny situation where one of his cousins posted something about him. I think my dad was going to someone's birthday party in like where he's originally from and he didn't tell everybody he was there. So somebody posted a photo of him to Facebook and then the whole, everybody's upset that he's there and he didn't call them and see them. So my dad's like paranoid of like that happening. So I, I don't, and also with my fiance's family, they don't feel comfortable being on camera either. So I never, like when I'm around them, I might, you know, take out my phone to post the stories, but I'm not going to like film them or our conversation or like check out my family. I don't do that. My grandmother. Yeah. She always, she loves it, but the rest no. She sounds amazing. I can't wait <laughs> yeah, to see her pop she's up. She's so great. <laughs> so good. Um, so Cat Footwear is the sponsor of my podcast cool. and I love them because they are super, they are so encouraging of people taking risks and being really bold when it comes to creativity. And I know that being vegan is like a new, a newer thing that the, you know, the collective consciousness is starting to catch on and yeah. see that as something that's really valuable. Um, but you were maybe more of a trendsetter with that mm. in the sense that you did it before 
it was really popular. So what was it like for you to take that risk? And, um, you know, did you, did you experience any sort of pushback from family or friends? Did anyone say like, why are you doing that? And, and what was it like for you to just like take Mm. that risk and step out? And, and what did you say to people to let them know that this was really why you wanted to do it? Mm. I, I was so empowered when I became vegan. So I really, I mean, I I don't like arguing with people, but I had no problem if food came up with saying I'm vegan or over the years, you know, speaking up for myself and I'm telling people I'm vegan and telling people why. And if people ask me why, then being very clear about why, not like, oh, well, just because... I like animals. Like I'm specific. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the fact that I found something that I'm so passionate about really empowers me to stand out and to speak out for this thing as, and I feel, I feel just so strongly about it. So it's easier to speak about something when you feel really strongly and passionate about it. Mm. What is the thing that you say when people ask you why? Okay. So I always say I, I'm vegan for ethics because of I love animals, but I also don't like the exploitation of animals, right? So we all love cats and dogs. Most of us do. But specifically, exploiting animals, one, because we don't need to anymore. You know, there was a time when we, you know, we didn't have access to all sorts of types of food at the at the grocery store. Um, so... And obviously we know anybody can be healthy and thrive on a vegan diet. Now, you might not be able to eat the same way that I eat, but you can eat this the way that's right for you on a vegan diet. Um, but also, more specifically, I believe that exploiting animals makes it okay, makes it more okay to exploit humans too. And I put everybody in the same category, whether you're a human or you're a cow or you're fish. It doesn't matter to me. I don't see any, I mean, visually you look different, but like at the core of things, life is life. And I believe that if you make it, if you make an excuse to exploit animals, then what you're saying is that in certain circumstances, you will be able to dehumanize dehumanize other humans and make them more similar similar to animals and that's happened throughout history it happens all the time it happens today the way you harm other people is by taking away their humanity and making them seem below humans and closer to non-human animals and that like having those you know having those different um, values like one is higher than the other yeah like a hierarchy right the hierarchy Mm -hmm. is what causes a lot of the problems like there might there could still be I'm sure there'd still be suffering and all these things but it makes it so easy if you can see hierarchy in life and I don't and I don't believe in that so that's the main reason that I'm vegan because I want us to move beyond all of that Wow. (laughs) Amazing. That's really, really powerful. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) What do you do for self-care? What Mm. do you, I know you've said that you love to hike. Yeah, I love my hikes. Yeah. And since I can't go hiking every day because of work and traffic, I love my walks. Also, I love practicing yoga and I've been doing it now for nine and a half years. Yeah. Self-care for me, as long as I can be active, that is the if I'm dancing, if I'm hiking, if I'm practicing yoga, if I'm swimming, I just love being active, love moving my body. And do you make time to do that every day? Yes. Every single day. That's one thing. Because even if it's, even if I really don't have time to do it, I will make time. 
And I will like incorporate, say for instance, the only way I can go for my walk is if I talk to like six people on the phone and like talk to my grandmother, talk, have a meeting while I'm walking. I yeah. will make it happen. Yeah, you fit all that in. I yes. get that. I absolutely get that. Every <laughs> single second matters. Everyone matters. <laughs> um, last question. What do you have in common with everyone else that's on the planet? Hmm. I think the one thing that helps me relate most to other people is the sense of we all suffer in some way. You know, even the people who seem on the outside to like have it all, the richest, most powerful people suffer in some way, mm. uh, whether it be emotionally or physically or like with family dynamics. And and that helps me stay empathetic, knowing that we all at the core, like we don't want to suffer. It's just something that we all go through. And I think it's very important to I think it's very important to try to minimize suffering for others because we all that's we can all relate mm. to how that feels. Um, yeah. So knowing that we all suffer. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't love suffering, but I, I love that that perspective and even how that ties in with your veganism, just like mm. reducing suffering yeah. for humans and for animals. Right. That's really, really, really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. And this congratulations on your book. How exciting. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> You've been listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee. Tweet me at Team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on Instagram using Out of Line Podcast. And let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?